here to talk to you about everything I watched this week and it's not that much so I'm gonna start off with something I didn't watch this week we're gonna we're gonna do a a weird kind of off the topic but I mean it, it relates to what I talk about if you have a modern TV and it looks a little weird please go into your settings look for video settings or maybe even I don't know accessibility I would assume it's under display settings, video settings, accessibility. It might. It's not going to be under input settings, but you never know with TVs and smart TVs. You want to go to those settings, and you want to look for terms such as motion plus, frame smoothing, smooth motion, motion plus, frame smoothing. Something along those lines, and you want to turn that shit down or off or minimal. Because it ruins the look of movies and TV shows. It makes them look like soap operas because it's doing the thing where it's adding frames that aren't really there. And it's adaptive frame, whatever you want to call it. I hate it. Everyone should hate it. And that is the end of my spiel. No, it's not. Wait, hold on. No, it's not. You need to turn that shit off. You need to go to your mom's house because you know she has it on. Go turn that off. Go to your dad's house. Turn that shit off. You need to go to everybody's house. Turn that shit off because it needs to stop. I hate seeing it on TVs. And if you really prefer that, wow. I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It looks like everything looks like a soap opera. And seeing everything in the Hobbit frame rate, just, ugh, ugh. It makes my eyes hurt. It, it doesn't look like fake. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't look cinematic. It looks like you shot it on a camera, sorry, a camcorder that you bought down the road at the pawn shop, you know, it, it looks like a home video that I could have shot anywhere and it ruins the, I think it ruins the hard work and the efforts that any of the cinematographers, the lighters, the gaffers, all of them, all of them, it ruins their hard work because it looks like trash no matter what you do to the actual image, the TV, the motion smoothing will make it look like trash. So yeah, on to what I actually watched this week. I, of course, Kept up with Secret Invasion. That is episode three. It is finally turning into a spy thriller. The MCU show that was marketed as a spy thriller is now in the third episode and just now feeling like a spy thriller. Yes, it is shaping up. I, I don't hate the show. I didn't hate the show in the beginning. It was middling, but it is now getting good. This last episode was a good episode, I believe. It's it's a fun watch because, of course, I talked about it last week, but it does add layers to characters that didn't necessarily have the layers they had before. Whether it's Samuel's Nick Fury or Ben Mendelsohn's guy. Shit. <laughs> What's his name? 
Talos. Talos. Whether it's him, and I want to say Talos, or like, you know, but I think it's Talos, and I think I just watched uh, that, that Jason and the Argonauts, and they said they said something else. Did they say Talos? Well, now it's Talos. And, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's Talos, and even Amelia Clark's Gaia. Yes, Gaia. They finally have something that can you can grasp onto. There's there's a little more depth now that you feel a little more attached. You know, you got that, that hook in there. And the villain is actually really cool. He I thought he was the best part of the first two episodes. He continues to be the best part. I need to look up his name again, but he is great in the role. I love him as the possible super scroll. I wish my wish is that he comes back later as a super scroll so he can be a villain or a foil to the Fantastic Four or any of the Avengers, anything like that. But my guess is he will get shot in the head when he turns to a Super Scroll at the end of the series. He'll go Super Scroll, get, steal some powers, and then boom, Nick Fury shoots him in the head. It's over, just like classic MCU. And then they might bring him back weirdly or not. You know, they, they kind of like to leave some people dead, unlike comic books. Yeah, there there are there have been resurrections, but... For the most part, you know, people just die. And sometimes that's great, but most of the time, for me, it's not because they use the villains either in different series or they use the villains in different ways that aren't exactly like the villain, so the villain never has time to grow into their comic book counterpart. And that's always, you know, it's always a bummer when it's a cool villain such as Taskmaster. I know Taskmaster isn't dead, but that's just my number one mishandling of an MCU villain that is maybe the only offensive one because they deadpooled task taskmaster and it's it's not you know no one likes to talk about it or no one likes to admit it but it is a character assassination i i don't mind the gender swap whatever taskmaster can be a woman i don't care he's taskmaster or she's taskmaster who cares but then you silence him her what do you guys know taskmaster he i'm not saying he talks all the time but he talks a lot of the time he makes jokes he he's an arrogant asshole you know he likes to he likes to counter people and then put a spin on whatever they say when he does the move you know it's it's that's a a a facet to his character that was just pushed aside for no good reason because it didn't make Taskmaster any more menacing that he didn't talk that she didn't talk. It it just it didn't, okay? And so when you do that, when you you're not adding to the menace of a character while taking away from something that people who maybe not love the character, but know the character won't really grasp onto. I just, I don't understand. That being said, episode three of uh, Secret Invasion, shaping up. I think the uh, show will be very solid by the end. Hopefully it proves me right. I then watched The Thing, the 2011 reboot, and spoilers, it's not a reboot, it's a prequel. Why you would make it out to seem like a reboot in the trailers, and why you would name it the exact same thing as the movie, even though it's a prequel, I do not know. I do not understand. I think it would have been cool if it was named after the original short story, Who Goes There? Or if it said, The Thing, colon, Who Goes There? Or something to 
denominate a, a prequel or, or something, have it have a designation, something that makes this different or that separates it from the original. Because if you just call a movie the same title, I'm going to think you're rebooting it. So the entire time I'm going to compare it. And that's not a good way to watch any movie, yet that's what reboots and, I guess, prequel things like us to do. I don't know. It's like they know critics aren't going to love it if they rename it the same name, yet they just they keep doing it. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's incredibly odd to me that it is still called The Thing, and yet it's not really a reboot. So we'll get to the actual movie. It takes away... The, the confines and the intimacy of the original thing. See, I'm comparing it to the thing like in my mental review. So it's just, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to do, but, or it's hard not to do, but back to it. They expanded in the wrong direction. Instead of expanding on characters struggles with the thing or whatever brought the thing, it, just expands on almost the grandeur or the, the cinematic air quotes. You can't see the air quotes, but I'm air quoting the cinematic ideals of a, a big bombastic over the top movie, because yes, the original thing had some of that, but not a ton, you know? Yeah. There were explosions every now and then, but there was, there was a real intimacy and a close quarters of the original that made you feel trapped with the original team. This movie, it's, it's very open for some reason, and it takes away some of the charm by opening up some of the plot and expounding upon the wrong things. It, it doesn't leave it open-ended. It just explains everything to your face. There's no ambiguity to it. It's all right in front of you. And even the tie-in to the original is right in front of you. And it does the thing like they do in Dawn of the Dead where the movie doesn't finish until during the credits. And let me tell you, that's a pet peeve of mine, whether it be text outros or that. I don't even know what to call it, credit endings, ending credits. I'd rather have a post-credit scene because then you know it wasn't necessary to the movie. But when it's shot during the credits, I don't care if the old one did it or not. It's, it's terrible because you're just making me sit through the credits and the movie. And that's, that's just not how a flow of a movie should work. In my opinion, it's, it disjoints. Is that a verb? Whatever. It makes the ending feel disjointed. It doesn't feel as though there's a nice cap off because you're like, Oh, directed by whoever written by whoever seen produced by whoever seen. I hate that. It just makes you watch the credits for no reason. And I don't want to be forced to watch the credits. I want to watch the credits to accredit the people who work so hard on it. This way, you're just making me annoyed at the credits. So I'm definitely not going to keep watching the credits. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm alone here. I probably am. It doesn't matter. I think it's a shitty way to end your movie. So the expansion on everything takes away a lot of the, the sense of dread and paranoia from the original. There's, it feels as though there's more filler in this movie. Whereas the original, I think there is so little fat that it makes it easily watchable to this day. There's a lot of fat in this. There's some character development that doesn't really develop the characters. It simply has the characters say stuff. You know, there, there's no point in some of this script because it doesn't advance the plot. It doesn't advance the characters. It just 
fills the screen. You know, it, it fills the runtime. It doesn't do anything beneficial. You know, it, it, it simply takes away from the movie and this movie could have ended 20 minutes, 30 minutes before it did if they got rid of some of their big open shots and wide wide shots of the big uh, cavern under the thing, the base or whatever. It's confusing as to why they would go this route because the beauty of the original, I think, is due mostly in part to the intimacy, the the closeness, the characters, you feel you feel trapped with the characters. In this movie's or in this movie, you do not feel trapped with these characters. Whereas John Carpenter might have directed the original with horror themes of the times, it works because he has a zing to it. You know? <laughs> I love using flair, zing, pizzazz. But John Carpenter always has a pizzazz. Even when his movies are bad, there's still that sense of John Carpenter in there. This movie just comes off as a modern horror movie with a script or a plot that's more complicated or more sophisticated than the movie itself. And that that just that hurts everything. It hurts the viewer's enjoyment or even the mystery of the thing. It's odd that they went this route. And it's odd that they replaced the practical effects with CG, which don't age, sorry, which didn't age well at all. It looks fine. I bet in 2011 it looked pretty damn good, but now it, it doesn't. It doesn't look fine at all. It looks like Resident Evil 7, you know? <laughs> it, it doesn't do anything. Whereas the practical effects of the 80s one still resonate to this day. People still talk about that to this day. And yet this 2011 CG, nobody talks about that. It's the same thing with Clash of the Titans. You had that Harryhausen crazy off the wall, giant creatures that are actually just small claymation and have all this visual appeal and, and visual, <laughs> I don't want to say porn, but it just, it's really cool when you look at when it was made and what's on screen. Then you have the newest reboot, or not the newest, the reboot of Clash of the Titans with Sam Worthington. Nobody talks about I think that was 2010, 2009 maybe. And guess what? Nobody cares about CG Scorpions or CG Medusa. It's, it's not fun to look at. So it has been given up. People do not even think about that movie anymore. No one even talks about that movie unless they're talking about the original or somehow talking about Wrath of the Titans. You know, it, it, it's weird when a certain movie has a legacy that, yeah, you may not live up to it, but this feels as though they didn't try to live up to it. They, they should have spent all the CG money cut out a lot of the scenes and then got some practical effects in there. And I might be talking about it in a little more of a positive light. I do think the movie itself suffered from issues that weren't just effects, but I would have talked about it in a little more positive light and actually bragged or conveyed that I love the, the effects. I don't, I don't, not in this. I don't at all. It's, it's fine. The CG's fine. And it feels as though they want an excuse to have different murders and different murder fantasies because the ways they kill the different people, it's almost like a final destination. And I'd rather your thing reboot be more like the thing than final destination. 
but it's way more like Final Destination because there it's just simply here's a murder that happens this way. Here's a murder that happens this way. And it's not cool. It's really not cool. Maybe for the horror fan who seems to like Rob Zombie movies, you know, maybe they think it'll be cool. They probably do think it's cool, but not for me. It just feels like redundant violence porn. And that's not, you know, that's cool when John Wick does it. There's, there's, <laughs> there's something cool about that. There's nothing cool about seeing someone ripped apart in like OKCG for a bad movie. There's no flow to this that makes me think, oh yeah, this totally fits. This guy getting exploded by a propane tank while he's shot in the head. Yeah, shot in the head and then exploded by a propane tank. Not propane, but you know, a gas tank. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not because this movie's not cool. So <laughs> any of the, the violence isn't cool because of that. It's, I mean, it's pretty simple to describe. It's, you know, the Saw movies versus Deadpool. You know what I'm saying? Deadpool has a lot of murders and it's cool. Saw has a lot of murders and it's not cool. Maybe Saw won, but it's not the murder that's cool. It's the twist. Anything after that, it's garbage because it's just, it's not, it's not fun to watch. You know, there's, there's nothing about or around the, the killing that makes you appreciate it. It's a, a good Western, you know, you, you want the hero to shoot the villain. It's not, Hey, you believe in the death penalty. It's like, no, it's Clint Eastwood. Shoot the guy already. <laughs> and whether it's a good Clint Eastwood or a bad Clint Eastwood, that affects the, the, the fight, the fight scenes or just the showdown. And yeah, I don't know. The thing 2011, not my favorite movie in the world. I think it being a prequel was kind of dumb since it's called the thing. I don't know. Let's move on to the last thing because I really didn't watch a ton. I did knock out some Golden Kamai, and I'll talk about that when I finish it. Hopefully it's next week. Hopefully. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That is a great part one, or a great setup movie. It's so easy to watch. It's an easy stepping stone that sets up plenty without doing anything bland, or without doing anything that that detracts from the movie itself, it, it's all set up yet. There's nothing that slows it down. If that makes sense, it's e it's easy to watch. It's got a flow that from beginning to end, there's no, there's no respite. There's no rest. It, it never stops. It doesn't linger too long when it does. It knows how long to linger. It's always engaging. It may not have the strongest of characters or the best character development. Yes, Caesar is awesome. But James Franco, he doesn't change. He's a guy who's broken so many federal laws. He doesn't get arrested. He tries to bribe a guy. Sorry, he does bribe a guy. He doesn't get arrested for that. He breaks a court order, doesn't get arrested for that. There's so many things that James Franco does and he doesn't get arrested or anything like that. And it's absolutely hilarious because his character doesn't change from beginning to end. His character didn't change. He made one very specific decision that changed, but his character, James Franco is still the same guy from beginning to end. I think that's hilarious, but back to the actual movie, I'd compare it to the recent Dune movie or the Batman. It is a great step one. Actually, I think I like it more than those two movies, but it is a great step one because you just know a sequel. Well, in this case, we actually know 
that a sequel will expand upon everything in an easy way, in a simple way that they have so much room to expand that there's almost an ambiguity to how they will expand. You know, you don't know exactly how. You know that they have a starting point. You saw the starting point, but you don't know where it's going to end. And that provides some leeway to whoever takes over or the director for the sequel, what have you. It leads the audience to have an awe in a sequel. Whether the movie or sequel ups the ante in character sense or simply plot sense, budget sense, you know, there's a lot of things that a sequel can do to make a first one even better. Obviously, this is a little biased since I absolutely love these movies and the sequels, but I do sincerely believe that the sequels of this movie make this movie better. It enhances it in a way that Dark Knight enhances Batman Begins. And... On the same side of that coin, or sorry, a different side of that same coin, it's the same way that Dark Knight Rises kind of hinders Dark Knight a bit. Whereas Dark Knight's very clean-cut, amazing movie, Dark Knight Rises is a little messy, goes on a little too long, has some questionable, not plot holes, but questionable plot choices, character choices, weird character developments. There's a lot of things wrong with the Dark Knight Rises, and it does for me detract from the dark knight and that's someone who loves 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 and adores the dark knight absolutely love that movie yet the sequel can hurt the prequel it, it, i think i think it's a known fact and with these movies with a movie like rise of the planet of the apes the prequel helps the sequel you know the thing could have done this the thing 2011 could have helped the original thing but instead it doesn't make it worse because it's a prequel after the fact, but it just makes no sense. You know, if this is in your brain as the thing before the eighties thing, yeah, it might affect it a little bit. And, uh, you know, you might, might not like it as much. I don't know. That's your opinion. And that's your prerogative. You know, that you do you, you can like or not like anything based on anything you want. I love rise of the planet of the apes. I'm probably going to watch Dawn because of rise. I will tell you, I'm pretty much done with the review, so I'm just going to talk out of my ass, you know. I will tell you that I love the original Planet of the Apes movies, not because they're amazing, but because they're amazing to watch. That first one is a good movie. That second one is a crazy movie. That third one is a marvel of cinema. Not because of the quality, but because it took a sci-fi adventure movie, and spoilers, guys, I know. Spoilers for a movie that's 50 years old, 40 years old, old movie that's old. So the second one ends with the earth getting nuked, just nuclear bomb destroys everything. All right. The third one without telling you any of the plot becomes a rom-com for a solid 45 minutes to an hour. And then it kind of goes back to planet of the apes. And I don't want to tell you any of the plot because you're wondering you have a sense of wonder about how the hell is it a rom-com for the third Planet of the Apes movie. I'm going to leave you to figure that out. If you want to look it up, ruin it, and read about it, yeah, go do that. But if you want a real treat, you want to watch that movie. Now, I will say, 4 and 5 are just bad movies. Yes, they are more Planet of the Apes, and older people might see those as more in line with how they think Planet of the Apes should look like or feel. 
but they're kind of bad movies. They are redundant and just, what's the word for it? Not reticent, but, you know, reticent, but in a bad way. Too familiar. It's too derivative of pretty much any... The fourth one is derivative of pretty much any slave uprising movie or story ever. And then the fifth one is just kind of meandering mess of war politics and battle scenes that look really bad. And somehow the ape mask got worse throughout the years, even though it's the fifth one. You know, it's kind of it's odd that the masks get worse, but they totally do. From the first, second and third, they're pretty good. Then the fourth and fifth, they are not good at all. It's. It's hilarious to watch. But I do think that is all for this episode of the Noah Davis Watchcast. I will see you next week on episode 9, where I will hopefully watch more things. I will definitely watch Dark Side of the Ring, because there's not a new episode last week. I did watch Always Sunny, but it's weird to talk about comedies episode at a time, so I'll probably check back in a few weeks with that. And... I'll watch The Secret Invasion. So you have that to look forward to. And of course, I will pick random movies that I watch that you'll think, wait, why the fuck is he watching this this week? There's no reason. I just get in the mood, okay? And that is episode eight of the No Davis Watchcast. I'll see you next week, guys.